The 2024 SEC schedule that has finally dropped as Texas and Oklahoma prepare to join the Southeastern Conference. San Diego State is leaving the Mountain West. They've resigned from the conference. Ole Miss is doing really strange things at quarterback. And oh, by the way, UConn is telling recruits they might be playing in the Big 12 very, very soon. Welcome in, everybody, to the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Mitch Mason, joined by Trey Reeves. Trey, uh, a ton going on as far as headlines, a lot to sink our teeth into. Between recruiting and, and scheduling, uh, what screams kind of peak off-season content more to you uh, as we get through the dog days of summer here? Well, at this point, it's got to be realignment, right? I feel like we can just kind of set our watch now. This is the third year in a row that it's late June, and we look at our watch, it's late June, and realignment rumors start swirling as we see just regions don't matter anymore, uh, perceived traditional rivalries don't matter anymore, traditional powers don't even necessarily matter anymore. The sport that drives it doesn't even seem to matter anymore in the case of this Big 12, <laughs> these new Big 12 rumors. So, yeah, it's to me, peak offseason is now what who is going to move to a new conference? Who's going to just forego all their tradition and blaze a new trail uh, into the great unknown in their future? Well, I mean, we have to, you know, if you're sick and tired of this, blame USC and UCLA, right? They started all this. Or Texas and Oklahoma a year before that. Or Texas and Oklahoma. I guess guess that's true. I guess Or Anna, Missouri, or Colorado, just all over the place. You know, but this is a fresh wave of it. Speaking of that, of of USC, UCLA, have you seen the recruiting pictures that are starting to drop? USC has their 2024 recruits dressed in Trojan jerseys that have the Big Ten patch on it. So, I mean, you know, I guess it's their right to do that, right? Like, they will be in the Big Ten in, in 2024. For me, it was just like a slap in the face with reality of two things. Like, one, yeah, like you said, region does not matter anymore. To think of USC and UCLA as, you know, part of this Heartland Conference is is hilarious. But two, the entire ecosystem of college football changes forever in 2024 we're just running up to really what is the starting line of like the forever history of this game and uh yeah next year is going to be wild um but i tweeted on our twitter account at three tech pod sometime this past week people are overlooking 2023 and i I know this episode is is mainly bent around 2024 but before just to set the stage this doesn't mean that 2023 doesn't matter. I think there are a, a bevy of storylines that we get to follow this year, um, whether it be Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA's final year in their conference, uh, Georgia trying to three-peat. I mean, there's, there's a ton going on this year. 
coaching changes, the coaching carousel has never spun faster. So for everyone that's maybe rolling their eyes at all this 2024 talk, uh, and yet they're overlooking this season, I'd say pump the brakes a little bit. Like, let's just enjoy it all. Yeah, and, you know, back to the recruiting pitch that it seems like USC is making, if I know Southern California kids, and I, I it was not one, so maybe I don't, but I, I know that they definitely grow up dreaming of playing football in Piscataway, New Jersey, <laughs> and East Lansing, Michigan, and Madison, Wisconsin in November. That's what every yeah. kid on the West Coast dreams of, right? That, that has yeah. to be. So seeing that Big Ten patch on the side of the USC jersey, Dreams come true, right? Dream, yeah. Dreams really do come true for all those kids out there. But no, you're absolutely right. 2023, I think, is going to be an absolute banger of a year in college football. 2022 was awesome. Like, like people really forget. I know we had a lot of power programs in the playoff. We had some repeat uh, appearances in the playoff in 2022. But all the upsets, all the just drama that we had leading up to the season, all throughout the season, 2022 was absolutely fantastic from a season standpoint, I personally think just with the transfer portal and recruiting and everything that we've seen, the chaos that we've seen unfold this offseason, 2023 seems like it's going to top it. So yes, we are moving into an entire new paradigm in 2024, and it's very important to start preparing people for that right now. But I think I said this a few episodes back, 2023 has been kind of treated almost like a throwaway year by some people because it's the last year of the 14 playoff last year with these power programs in their traditional conferences, but not here. We are, we are not going to treat it that way because we are very excited for an absolute banger of a year, even though we do need to get prepared for 2024 as well. Yeah. Um, and, and like, like I just said, uh, we say all that knowing full well that this episode is future eyes forward. Right. But Trey, uh, exciting news. We're going back to two episodes a week. Starting this upcoming week, we've decided it is the time. We're already working on our previews. I'm actually going to talk about uh, some of the work that we've been doing on that previews, uh, on those previews, I should say, in just a second. But two episodes a week, I'm lining up a, a string of really fun guests, some big-time names you guys will know, whether it be in the college football space or local beat writers, depending on what market you're in. Um, we're really excited to just continue to improve the product. We're continuing to grow, especially over on the YouTube side. So head on over at 3 Pod on YouTube. If you're listening to this, check out the video side. You'll find the um, segments broken down into individual videos. Garrett does a great job of chopping up every single episode, turning it into video content. Uh, but Trey, let's pay the bills here. First of all, we're thrilled to continue our partnership with University Traditions. You're wearing one of the Lexington collections. They didn't make it to Omaha, but the hat still looks great. Uh, University Traditions knows that most sports fans are looking for clothing that you can wear everywhere, but also gives a nod to your favorite team and homegrown roots. That passion and insp uh, inspiration led them to create some of the best-looking hats that we've ever seen. So we partnered with them and uh, have had a successful partnership with them for the last several months. You can use our code 3TECH15, that's 3TECH15 at checkout. You'll get 15% off your entire order. Uh, Father's Day, it, we're recording this on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, by the way, to, to all the dads out there. Um, but if you missed that, maybe you're a little tardy, you need to get a present for dad. Use our code 3TECH15. You can get him a great looking hat. Uh, head on over to their website, check it out, visit them on social media, let them know we sent you and uh, get yourself some of the best hatwear 
in the game tray. Also, I mentioned the previews. Transfer Portal Magazine, it's coming, baby. In collaboration with our friends over at the Transfer Portal CFB, we're preparing to release our 2023 College Football Preview Magazine, a first of its kind, Trey. This is going to be a lot of fun. Unlike other popular magazines you've probably purchased, uh, our preview has an in-depth preview of every single FBS team. You, you look on social media right now, some of the first magazines that are hitting shelves. A lot of folks are a little disappointed with uh, how much or rather a lack of how much attention has been paid, especially to the group of five schools. Not the case here. Our friend Dan over the transfer portal, he's written a full-length preview for every single Sunbelt team, for instance. So you're going to get uh, a, a bevy of information for every single one of the 133 teams. You're going to get analysis, projections, recruiting nuggets, so much more. We also have exclusive interviews with stars like Grayson McCall and uh, Keaton Slovis that you'll be able to read in those magazines. Um, plus, the Sickos Committee is writing a, a forward for this magazine. So, I mean, like, what, what's not to like? Best part, Trey? It's available for a third of the price of most of those magazines. You can get your copy on July 5th and anytime after that. Uh, head on over to the Transfer Portal CFB website. You'll be able to see that in all of its glory for just $9.99. We're obviously really excited to have this come out. We've each written um, a, a good deal of that magazine and, and are really excited to see that in the wild. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to, to get this in our, in our hands uh, per se. Yeah, and I, I know I'm a little biased when it comes to, you know, being a part of this project, but as a longtime consumer of preview magazines, seeing that spread, man, that they dropped, I know we Garrett and I talked about this last week, but the spread that we, they dropped on Twitter, go check that out. It got me so excited just seeing right. the professionalism, the quality of writing, the quality of graphics, and the yeah, deep coverage of every single FBS team. I wrote a preview article, an in-depth preview article about Sam Houston State. And let me tell you, that was difficult to uh, scourge through the internet to find that information. But we did it for you guys, and we did it for every uh, FBS team. So no matter who you are cheering on this fall, you will find coverage of that team. So we are really excited about it, and you can't beat the price. Uh, absolutely right. You cannot beat the price. Give it a shot. And I guarantee that you'll be really satisfied with it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, Trey, the 2024 SEC Football Conference Opponents Reveal happened this past week, uh, and a lot of reaction from it, right? Um, a, a lot that is going to change in 2024 as Texas and Oklahoma 
head into the conference. We're going to kind of digest it. We've got the opponent schedule up in front of us, but first set the stage. Texas and Oklahoma are coming in. What is the SEC doing that's different as they expand to a 16-team mega conference? Yeah, if you haven't heard by now, they are scrapping divisions, so there's no more East Division, no more West Division. There's some fan bases that are really, really excited about that um, as they have you know, been really struggling with the same schedule every single year, but no more divisions. They're protecting one rivalry game for each team right now and sticking at eight games. So there are uh, one ga- one team, at least right now, that you'll play every single year and rotate through the other seven. So what I really like that they did on this schedule, I guess getting into the weeds of it, they did a good job of protecting, I think, most of the games that will be part of that future uh three and six model. I, I don't I don't know that there's necessarily a game on there that you say that has to be played that will not be played in 2024 when it comes to a rivalry standpoint. Mm-hmm. Alabama's still playing Auburn and Tennessee, right? Georgia's still playing Auburn and Florida. They they protected all all of those games that really need to be protected. So they did a great job with that. Um we kind of got into the weeds of the eight game versus nine game and the one protected versus three protected, but at least for right now they're rolling with the one protected and seven rotating. So who knows how long that lasts, but at least for 2024, it looks like they did a really good job. I think so. I think for what inevitably has to be a Band-Aid solution, I think the SEC has gotten a lot of backlash, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. They've gotten a lot of backlash from people acting like this is the permanent solution going forward, and that's just not the case. I think 2024 gets to be a test year for a couple of reasons. One, this is a 16-team conference that uh, has multiple national title contenders going hand-in-hand with that, you're going to have a 12-team playoff. And inevitably, the SEC wants to set themselves up to get the most number of teams in that playoff as as possible, right? While also kind of protecting the integrity of the rivalries, keeping the fans happy. Finally, and and most importantly, the media rights deal is just... uh, probably going to be amended, right? Uh, The SEC is not going to give ESPN and the mouse free content with a ninth conference game. We talked about all of that on a a podcast a couple of weeks ago. So if you're interested in in hearing more about that um, after this one, go back. I believe it's two weeks now, and uh, you can listen to our discussion over the eight versus nine game model in the SEC. Um, Overall, I think the, the commentary on this has been fairly positive i mean it's the internet you know they're going to be trolls there are always going to be people that are unhappy but overall i think like you said they did a pretty good job of of keeping everything um historically intact now when it comes to maybe the competitive balance i don't know that there are any easy schedules but dude florida has a historically brutal schedule and we can get into that if you want yeah if you want to talk winners and losers i think florida's definitely on the losing end of that Vanderbilt, I think I, I don't know how many favors you could draw them up to uh, put even try to make them a winner. They definitely have a brutal one as well. Um, and Oklahoma, welcome to the freaking SEC, right? Like uh, Oklahoma pulling it up right now. Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee at home, Texas, and uh, Dallas, and then road trips to Auburn, LSU, and Ole Miss. That is a really rude awakening and rude introduction to the Southeastern Conference, but. Yeah, I, I, from a competitive balance standpoint, you look at, I guess, possible winners. 
correct me if I'm wrong, I think Arkansas and A&M are the only two that avoided both Alabama and Georgia in 2024. So you have to circle those as huge winners. Uh, when, you know, Arkansas and, Alabama, and Texas A&M have been playing Alabama every single year. Um, getting both of those off the schedule are huge for their win total hopes. I think Texas, I don't know that they necessarily got off easy. Their road schedule, uh, other than the trip to A&M, certainly, I, no offense to the fans up in Fayetteville, I know that was a house of horrors for Texas a couple seasons ago, but, you know, it could have been a lot worse from a road trip standpoint. Anytime you draw Vanderbilt on the road, I think that you're pretty happy with that draw. So, yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to make this completely equal. I know I've seen reported that they were talking about 10-year models, looking back 10 years to see how competitive teams were and trying to find competitive balance in that format. But yeah, yeah, overall, I think big losers are Florida and Oklahoma, big winners, Texas A&M and Arkansas. Florida's 2024 schedule, which is not, there are no, um, I say there are no, they have the non-conference dates lined up and the uh, cocktail party against Georgia is lined up. But just to give you a full picture of who Florida has to play in 2024, They have to play their non-conference schedule is Miami, Samford, UCF, and Florida State. They obviously play Georgia in the cocktail party. Then they've got Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Texas. Mississippi State, Tennessee, Texas uh, are all on the road. They they are able to to get Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M in the swamp. Um, I put it out on Twitter. I was like, where, where are the must win games in this schedule? Because you're not getting a break. Like there is no other than Samford. There's not a single week on this schedule that I think you go, okay, we may have lost last week, but we get to take a deep breath, focus on this. Let's just go out, take care of business. We'll go one and oh this week and we'll carry that momentum into the rest of the season. Like there is not a single part of that schedule that you go, yeah, yeah, that works. It's, yeah. It is brutal. Yeah. And anybody that's, you know, complaining about the number of power five teams that SEC programs schedule each year, uh, just take a gander at that Florida schedule because 11 of the 12 yeah. are now power five programs, whatever that means in 2024. I, we have no idea, but um, 11 of 12 games against power five competition, man, if, Billy Napier makes it through 2023, which I am not convinced that he will. It's hard to see him navigating that 2024 schedule and coming out unscathed, at least from a job standpoint. But I mean, mean, that's neither here nor there right now. There's obviously a lot of football to be played between now and the end of 2024, but yeah, just setting themselves up for a really, really difficult transition. I think the other loser by default here is I'm looking at these other opponents I think the Georgia Bulldogs are a loser, are they not? I, I think, you know, they, they are finally, uh, they've taken a lot of heat for their 2023 schedule. Not everything's their fault. The SEC came in and told them they had to cancel their uh, prime out-of-conference date with Oklahoma because right. the, the schedule is going to set up. They don't get Oklahoma on the no. 2024 schedule. <laughs> they don't. Um, but uh, they Which we do all have. had we, we all had put in Sharpie because of yes. why would they... Why would they tell Georgia to cancel that game if they're not playing them the next year? Well, and we've seen, you know, in the recent past, we've seen, I'm thinking North Carolina Wake Forest have played a non-conference game because they weren't happy that they were playing each other enough, right? We've seen it in college football that 
if you really want to keep the schedule going, you can, but yeah. So in, in, in consolation, I guess, for canceling Oklahoma, they get home dates with their rival Auburn, Florida and Jacksonville, Mississippi state and Tennessee at home. They travel to Ole, uh, Alabama, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Texas. So yeah. quite the step up in the level of competition, especially with those road games. When you think, I mean, I mean, 2023, we're kind of penciling in everything as a pretty winnable game, except for maybe the one at Tennessee as the right. one difficult road game. And you have at least three in 2024. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know that I'd call them a loser in this sense, but compared to 2023, major step up in competition which listen is, is is only fair right like this 2023 schedule is pathetic um and it it makes it really hard not to think if georgia doesn't if, if georgia wins that game uh at neyland stadium against tennessee where you know where do they trip up i don't i don't know that there's a spot on their calendar this year that that really has you shaken in your boots ahead of uh, probably an inevitable appearance against you know the SEC West contender in Atlanta, but yeah, the 2024 schedule is is tough. The road games to Alabama and to Texas specifically, that's a pretty a pretty lethal one two punch. You know, take it or leave it. Whatever you think about Ole Miss and Kentucky, I don't necessarily think that Vaught Hemingway is a tough place to play. Kroger Field has not historically been a super tough place to play. Um, so other than the fact that, you know, they're staying at Hilton Inn uh, or whatever. <laughs> they might have to whatever. stay in the dorms. They, uh, you know, that could true. be a problem. That's true. You'd like to think Kentucky has that scheduled out. But um, I do think it's interesting. You, you look at some of the more traditional contenders. LSU's schedule is could be very tricky. Um, home games against Alabama, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, and Vanderbilt. You know, uh, Vanderbilt's not doing anything for you, but um, we've watched Ole Miss play spoiler on the road several times. And and listen, Oklahoma, I don't know that they're going to be a contender this year, at least when I'm kind of messing around with my Big 12 projections. I don't have Oklahoma in that mix. Next year, though, they're still bringing in so much talent. It's it's hard to say that the Sooners aren't a year or two away from from being another nine ten win team, or at least threatening to be that. Now, looking at that twenty twenty four schedule, uh, you know they've got Texas uh, at home technically in Dallas, home game against Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, but then on the road against LSU, Auburn, Ole Miss, and Missouri. That's a schedule that's. That's that's very very tricky. Um, back to LSU away games against Texas A&M, Arkansas, Florida, South Carolina. Again, not really a big breather there, considering Arkansas is uh, you know is is a rival. Who knows what? Like I said, what Ole Miss will give you. So the Tigers, I think, need to make their hay again this year, um, and and make a run at an SEC championship before really having to slog through it next season. Yeah, and there'll be a lot of roster turnover in 24 for LSU as well. Um, and look, AM hasn't been an easy place to win in the Jimbo Fisher era no, for LSU. I, they've lost every time. Run. Yeah, they are over at Kyle Field since Jimbo Fisher has taken over there. So, yeah, sure. really tough schedule for LSU. I mean, you know, Mississippi State, I think their home, they really didn't get a good home road balance. I don't think if I'm looking at that schedule, I think their no. easier games are at home. And they're way tougher games. Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, and the Egg Bowl are on the road. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we could go through and spend an hour just going through everybody's schedule. And obviously, a lot's going to change between now and 2024. There could be a lot of teams that we don't think our contenders could surprise this year. They could make a big splash in the portal, or they could fire their coach because this is the SEC, and we see at least one surprise firing a year, it feels like. So who knows exactly how these teams will line up. But yeah, I think I think we've done a good job of kind of highlighting the winners and losers so far. Uh, last question on this topic. If we have to stay with this model past 2024. Gosh, I hope not. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Will you be Will you be upset? Will you count it as a loss, an L for college football if we stay in this format? The only way I wouldn't is if the NCAA comes in or whoever is the overlord of college football comes in and downsizes the regular season from eleven or twelve to eleven games. That's the only way. Thanks. That's not going to happen. So the short answer is yes. I will be very disappointed if the SEC doesn't get on board. I get all the financial considerations, but as a fan, I don't want to watch my team play Prairie View A and M. I, the halftime show is going to be great if I go down and watch the college, in college station. Lit. But I, the football, I, I don't want to watch them play UMass like we did in November last year. If I'm going down to College Station, if I'm spending my hard-earned money, I don't want to watch us beat up on an FCS team. And I know a whole bunch of fans feel the same way. So yeah. from just a fan standpoint, I, I really couldn't care less about the – you know, perception across college football. I think the best teams are going to sort themselves out, whether they're playing Kentucky or they're playing, you know, Alcorn state in November. It, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but just from a fan perspective, I want more good games, especially with the expanded playoffs. That's going to give you more opportunities for a mulligan. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with you there. Um, I don't know that, that either of us would spend our hard-earned money to go watch UMass play, but the point stands. Um, Trey, let's move over to San Diego State. They pulled a tricky this last week, and you know we've been debating whether or not they would be a good fit in the Pac-12 with SMU for months now. Um, if you're a veteran, if you're one of the Jimmys and the Joes on our channel, you know that those episodes have done tremendously well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been like a telenovela. I mean, just installments of the PAC 12 drama series. Well, no invitation in hand. San Diego said, said we're out, uh, issued or wrote a letter to uh, the mountain West conference this week saying that they quote, intend to resign from the mountain West conference uh, I'm getting this from ESPN. I mean, everybody's written about this. I, I'm not exactly sure who had it first, but it might have been Pete Thamel of ESPN. Um, they, funnily enough, though, they asked for the door to not be shut behind them because they asked for a one month extension. Uh, quote, a one month extension given unforeseen delays involving other collegiate athletic conferences behind our control or beyond our control. Huh. I wonder what that could be. Trey, this has like real big uh you know canadian girlfriend syndrome oh yeah i have a i have a girlfriend but she lives in canada and goes to a different <laughs> school and you wouldn't know her uh but i have a girlfriend definitely um very very weird weird timing considering that all sources seem to agree the pac-12 has not extended an invitation to the aztecs no other power five conference has extended an invitation to the aztecs so my first question to you is why? What's going on? 
you got me, man. It, it's a bold, bold strategy to do this. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, it, in all of our following of conference realignment, I don't think we've seen a school make this move. And I mean, <laughs> I guess to their credit, credit to them for being forward with the Mountain West and, you know, being honest that they don't want to be there, I guess. But <laughs> if you're looking out for number one, I don't think you're doing a very good job because, yeah, they don't have a formal invitation. They do not uh, have the resources, in my mind, to be an independent, just waiting for a formal in- invitation. So, yeah, what are you doing? What that, that raises a lot of questions for the strategy here. And, yeah, I mean, maybe... The Pac-12 is secretly, you know, given given word that, yeah, as soon as we get this media rights deal, you guys are up. But you got to wait for that. You got to wait for the ink to dry on that paper, do you not? Right. Yeah, no, it's funny. It's it's it seems like so Thamel writes that Adela De La Torre, the um, San Diego State president, wrote the letter to the Mountain West Conference. And then there was some sort of verbal back and forth, whether it was over the phone in person that quote, uh, brought complexities and prompted a tense back and forth between the league and the school. San Diego state subsequently informed the league that the letter was not the official notice of resignation in quote. So it seems like San Diego state gave them the, it's not you, it's me, but also left the potential that they might get back together down the line. If there isn't a more attractive option, uh, which well, is, which and, has got to be exactly what the Mountain West wanted to hear. And looking into it more, also, you know, shout out to Fan Nation. Uh, you definitely have a picture of a Fresno State cheerleader at the top of the San Diego State article. But I digress. Um, they are reporting that the exit fee would increase from sixteen point five million to thirty four million if they waited till after June thirtieth. So. Correct. Huge financial incentive. So that, that that answers the question of why they're doing this. But still, it, there's no rush to Well, this, but they right? did this. Yeah, they did this at the midpoint of the month. Like when we're recording this, it's it's June 18th. They still had two weeks to go. And, yeah. and again, what all of this hinges on, supposedly, is the Pac-12 meteorites deal, which we have been told is coming for months. And finally, we couldn't get the Pac-12 to ever put any sort of numerical value to that deadline. They finally did uh, earlier this month when they said by the end of June, by June 30th, we're going to have a media rights deal. Um, time is ticking, Trey. And, you know, if I'm the CW, I don't know if San Diego State really moves the needle, but but maybe it does. To me, this is kind of like a, a high-speed, lucrative game of chicken where San Diego State is betting that they're this hot commodity that's going to push maybe the Pac-12 over. Um, the Pac-12 has long seemingly spurned the advances of SMU and San Diego State. So I don't know, man. Like I, I don't I truly don't know what to make of all this. I've I've got a theory that I'll get into in, in just a minute, but like what happens if the Pac-12 announces a media rights deal and San Diego State isn't part of it. Like, what do they do? You've got a lot of very unhappy people at the Mountain West headquarters, and you're probably not going to be, you know, getting a lot of favors from your conference office (laughs) with officiating assignments or, you know, scheduling in the future. So 
they're going out on a very shaky limb here. They're going out on a very fragile limb and praying that it can hold up their weight. That's what it seems like from my vantage point, at least. I'd love to hear your theory, though. I'm very interested now. Well, so my theory, and I think it's more fleshed out than where other people have taken this. It's I'm not. I'm certainly not the first one to come up with this. I think the Big 12 is ready to make a huge move. Um, you know, Pete Thamel said, and a lot of other people have said, according to a source, conversations have happened between the Big 12 and San Diego State. Like, that means nothing to me. Name your source, otherwise I, I don't care. Um, and just to say that there's been a conversation that Brett Yormark or somebody in his office phoned San Diego State, like, who cares, right? They could have an extended relative that works in the front office there, for all I know. Um, what I do think is about to happen though, is I think the big 12, while everybody else is kind of in, in a, in a standoff, if you will, like that scene from the office where everyone's got the, <laughs> the finger guns out. I think Brett Yormark's like, all right, you guys don't want to make a move. I will. Um, and I think he's playing 40 chess. Brett Yormark is not only building a football conference, he's building an all sports conference, right? Basketball has long been a priority of his since he took over uh, as the commissioner of the conference. And I don't know if you watched uh, March Madness. I, I don't know if many people did. Actually, no, I do, because you sent me the, the media numbers. And a lot of people watched UConn in San Diego State. Uh, so maybe Brett Yormark is like, you know what? We'd love the South California footprint. We'd love to have the Aztecs as a part of our basketball conference. They just made it to the national championship. And, and more oh, by people the way, their watch football that national championship, yeah. and more people watch that national championship than the NBA finals. So, well, that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> NBA is awful, nobody cares but, about the NBA. Yeah, it, but still, I mean that that's a huge, huge selling point. And it, it was a national championship between San Diego State and UConn, who we'll talk about in just a little bit. Yeah, and it drew 17 million viewers. So basketball is not nothing in this conversation. I think Yormark is a genius to be focusing on that. To be honest, and He's not going to catch the SEC in the Big Ten in football, but he can run laps around them in basketball, and he can still create a very, very competitive football conference. So I guess, are you thinking that if San Diego State does not get Pac-12 invitation, they might have a secret Big 12 invitation on the table? I don't know if they have a secret invitation. I, I Not much stays secret as far as this goes, uh, although... Texas and Oklahoma yeah. surprised everybody. So, you know, what do I know? But um, so did UCLA and USC. That came out of nowhere last summer. We, you, yeah, last summer. We I were remember scrambling when, to put a show out because we I were, remember when that news broke, I was sitting by my pool uh, doing a project for work and we all were texting each other like, no way this is true, right? Like that, I've forgotten who tweeted it initially, but we we're like, there's no way this has to be fake. And then one by one, all of the journalists that we trust and respect started retweeting it, started commenting on it. It was like, oh, shoot, this is for real. So, you know, a lot of closed door meetings are clearly happening. Um, and, you know, in the age of give it to me now news and Twitter, they I guess they have done a good job of keeping things secret. To me, though, it just like every time we go through another one of these big moves, it it shocks me that you know, people keep it under wraps for as long as they do. Um, as easy as it is to slip a tip to Thamel or to Nicole Auerbach or whoever it is. 
um, and it never gets traced back to you. I'm, I'm always surprised. But yeah, back to kind of the theory, and we can bring in UConn here. I do think your mark has at least some of these schools on speed dial, right? We've talked about Colorado. We've talked about Arizona. Uh, we've talked about San Diego State. Now, UConn as well, as I mentioned off the top, UConn is reportedly telling recruits, hey, you might get to play in the Big 12 if you come play for the Huskies. Uh, that was according to Heartland College Sports, which, you know, again, I, not necessarily my number one trusted source, but I will say, <clears throat> excuse me, I will say I did speak with um, a very plugged in UConn insider. He didn't deny anything, so just put put that out there. Well, and um, I think I think the they landed a four star quarterback this week, uh, Cole Welliver, and yep. he came out and said that he told them that, that they told him, "Yeah, we're going to the Big 12. So yep. he he's on the record as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see, right? I mean, we there there have been conference realignment talks for just about as long as college football has been popular and media rights deals have been a big deal. Um, you remember, and we talked about it, Texas was about to sink the entire Big 12 conference and, and yoink everybody over to the Pac-12. That clearly didn't happen. Um, but at the same time, this feels very realistic, right? Where... There's a clear vision. There's a clear end result that your mark is chasing, that the Big 12 is chasing to create revenue, to generate more value in other avenues other than just the football field. And it seems like a very, very solid plan, adding the national champion and the runner-up in basketball with decent football programs. I mean, UConn is rebuilding. San Diego State has been fine uh, under Brady Hoke the last couple of years. And they'd be getting more money to pour into those football programs. Yeah, it seems like a win-win to me. Yeah, and for anybody just scoffing at UConn joining a power football conference, one, they were in one and made it all the way to an Orange Bowl in the not-so-recent history, or Fiesta Bowl, a BCS Bowl. And two, look at Kansas. They were only yeah. in the Big 12 for basketball for since the Big 12's inception practically other than one magical run to the orange bowl and they get the right coach in place. And what do you know, they're running an offense that nobody can stop and they're making run to a bowl game. And when you have the money and resources of a power five conference, you can open up a lot of things. UConn is trying to do football as an independent with no TV contract and no um, bowl tie-ins right now. And they made a bowl game in 2022. So 
yeah, I mean, anything can happen. I think UConn could be a viable market. They get UConn, they get uh, San Diego State. They're all of a sudden a coast-to-coast conference. They're the second coast-to-coast conference after the Big Ten. So lots of lots of moving pieces. Obviously, I think San Diego State's probably primary choice, I think, would be the Pac-12 still if that invitation gets sent out. But if that meteorite deal comes out, uh, San Diego State might be looking at other options very quickly. So I guess my question with all of this, how big could the Big 12 get? How how many <laughs> schools, because we've seen rumors of Colorado, we've seen rumors of the Arizona schools, Utah, even Oregon and Washington, and maybe their counterpart schools, Oregon State and Washington State, if the Big 10 doesn't come calling for Washington and Oregon. But how big could they realistically get? Could they run a 20 team conference? Could they run a 22 team conference? And if they did, does that make the sec and big 10 just gobble up whoever they can as quickly as possible? It's a good question. I mean, you know, the big 12 is at 14 teams as I uh, remembered painfully after I volunteered to write a one big thing for each team in the big 12 for the, and they'll be at 12 next year. That's 14 for just this year. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, my accounting uh, had a slight error um, that I had to go back and fix, obviously. Yeah. So this would get them to 16, hypothetically. If if they bring on UConn and San Diego State, Texas and Oklahoma leave, um, this would get them to 16. I struggle. It's hard for me to even kind of project forward how many teams they could gobble up just until the Pac 12 decides if they're going to survive or or crumble right because as soon as the pac-12 becomes irrelevant i think i think the four corner schools are absolutely poachable for the big 12 i mean the arizona schools colorado utah are all would would all fit well in the big 12 footprint that is increasingly expanding west the question is just does the pac-12 survive um if if the pac is able to add a team like smu i don't honestly know where else they'd go fresno state um you know who else do they add if boys could be an option hawaii could be an option but they present yeah, their own but, problems but exactly you know it's so anyway we talked about the pac-12 stock is i'm i'm, I'm way up in my puts on the pac-12 right now like we <laughs> we're we're getting a lot of return on on that investment um but i do think it's interesting i do think it would keep the sec uh in the big 10 on notice to see okay all of a sudden we kind of counted the big 12 out we thought we threw the final haymaker when we poached texas and oklahoma and now here's this scrappy upstart commissioner who's come in and is just putting together magic and in different sports than specifically football i think it's a very interesting topic and and storyline to watch as that thread continues to get pulled i can't wait to watch what unravels and it's so good for college football right we were lamenting last summer just trying to grasp at straws find any way that it, college football doesn't turn into just espn versus fox sec versus big 10 every single year so the big 12 if you're just a fan of college football the big 12 being strong even uh, I, I hesitate to say this but even maybe at the expense of the pac-12 if the pac-12 is not willing to play big boy ball and just can't figure out how to get out of their own way a strong Big 12 that has all those brands is very good for college football. I I think all of us would prefer if the traditional conferences were just 
what they were, right? And if we could figure out how everybody would stay happy, USC and UCLA are happy in the big Pac-12, Texas and Oklahoma are happy in the Big 12, and we all just live happily ever after. Obviously, that's not happening. So the next best thing is figuring out how we can get as many conferences at the table as possible, not just the Big Ten and SEC. Yeah. Last thing I'll say about this, uh, remember, this is not the first time that San Diego State tried to leave the Mountain West Conference in 2013. They tried to join the Big East. They did? <laughs> That's... Yeah. As a football only member. Um, so they were kind of the original forget geography. We're, we're going east, baby. Them in Boise State. It was like, you know what? Forget it. We don't care that we're over here four time zones away. We're coming. Uh, and, and obviously that didn't happen. Now, it is interesting. Um, the, as far as the media rights deal goes, a lot of he said, she said in this. But one thing to keep your eye on. Thamel wrote that the Pac-12 is, while they haven't committed to San Diego State as far as bringing them on board, they haven't extended them an offer, they're very bent on making sure that the Big 12 doesn't poach them first. So according to this article, um, in January, the Pac-12 reportedly said behind closed doors that they would want to give San Diego State a full share of the media revenue, again, revenue that doesn't exist right now to prevent the school from going to the big 12 and having that league recruiting in the pac 12s backyard. So, you know, you just, the you got to have the money first though that I think San Diego state gets to say, especially if they do have this secret behind the, you know, under the table behind closed doors agreement with the big 12, they get to say, show me the money to the pac 12. And if they don't like having their football and basketball games broadcast on, Ion, you know, smell ya. We're going to the Big 12. Yeah, and that, you know, we, we would be in a world where Fox and ESPN essentially decided to kill a conference. That would be a very <laughs> sad world to live in, but the reality is Pac-12 also for over a decade was really happy just smelling its own scent and feeling like they were, you know, the top dog because Stanford was winning a lot of polo titles or whatever. Yeah. Stanford's doing up there and not really doing anything of consequence and not keeping up with the times and not getting on board conference networks, not, you know, Larry Scott ran that thing into the ground and basically forced ESPN with to not have a choice to back this meteorites deal. So, you know, we can lament the loss of a conference. We can lament the loss of a very historic conference. That's a sad day for college football. If the PAC 12 does crumble, but, do they have anyone to blame but themselves? I really don't think so. Yeah. I came up with a better an amendment to my SS Klyovkov analogy, by the way. Um, I think you could say that Larry Scott either left the SS Klyovkov uh, at low tide in dry dock, so <laughs> the, the, the ship never even got to put out to, to sea, or he left a ballast open on his way out, and as soon as the SS Klyovkov like set sail, we're just we're taking on water. Oh, I, I <laughs> think it's sure that, I think it's that one. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're not. We're trying to identify where the the leak is. We're not sure if it's on the port side, the starboard side, but there's a lot of water coming in, and we don't know what to do about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, Trey. Last thing from me, uh, and I think this is a fascinating you know, blurb to, to put in here. Ole Miss is doing some weird things at quarterback. We've talked about, 
<laughs> it's kind of like same song, different different verse, right? We we talked about they've brought in Walker Howard. They've brought in uh, they obviously have Jackson Dart, who was you know when he came from over from USC was supposed to be the guy, uh, and and they also brought over and I'm blanking Spencer on his name Sanders. Spencer Sanders. I wanted to say Spencer Howard for some reason. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State. Um, Trey, that's a lot of starting quarterbacks in one room. Who's to say we can't add another one? Because 17-year-old four-star quarterback, Austin Simmons, I believe is how you say his name. It could be Simons. Let me know in the comments if it's Simons. Uh, from Moorhaven, Florida, has been committed to the Gators of Florida since April, right? So not very long, just a couple of months. He flipped to Old Miss and uh, is ready to go for this fall season, right? And Sound he's in normal. the class of 2025, we should say. He, well, that's what I was going to say. Is the big the big reveal here is it's all fine and dandy, normal business, except for the fact that this kid is coming out of high school not one but two years early to reclassify to the uh, to the class of 2023. So he is presumably packing up the minivan, driving to campus right now. I don't know, maybe Lane sent him the private plane, uh, but he's going to be on the roster this year on scholarship this year as a 17-year-old. Trey, why? Why? Academically, he finished high school. That's great. Congratulations, bud. You, you finished high school classes as a freshman. Why, though, would you go and burn a redshirt year in a season that presumably you're not even going to sniff the field? It beats me. I, I don't know how Lane convinced this kid to do this. And you know, if he was growing up in Oxford, Mississippi, or if he was a legacy kid, or if he was, you know, there's a lot of reasons you could draw if it, that, you know, it could check a box and make Austin want him to do this. But I have no idea how Lane Kiffin was able to convince him to do this. Yes, you know, we should applaud Austin for what he's done in the classroom. 5.34 GPA if, that I've seen reported. Done with high school classes since his freshman year academically has nothing else to do in high school, but you're a 17 year old. You are not fully done developing from a strength and conditioning standpoint. You are not going to play this year behind those three other guys. And yeah, you're going to have to burn your red shirt year in an era where we no longer have as much flexibility with red shirt years. It's going to be after COVID we are not doing the COVID year anymore. And it's going to be very cut and dry. You have five years to play four, and is he going to get to play as an 18-year-old? Maybe, but there's still going to be a pretty crowded depth chart at Ole Miss. And who's to say Lane might not take two more transfer quarterbacks next year because he sees himself as the portal king and he can't stand to the sip. He keeps watching all those quarterback highlights on Twitter and things. Yeah, I'll take that guy. I'll take that guy. But I don't get it. Yeah, it, it, it seems I'm sure that he seems like a smart kid. And I don't want to berate the kid. But it just, it's a very questionable decision. Me sitting here as not a four star 17 year old, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it seems like a very questionable decision to me. I'm sure NIL is involved. I'm sure, um, I'm not sure the rules in Florida. I know every state's different on if high school athletes can get in on NIL, but maybe he's ready to cash the check a la Quinn Ewers a couple years ago, where he could go to Ohio State and make a million bucks because of all the Instagram followers he has. But I don't know his situation with that, but it seems like a really, questionable decision to me well you know according to our friend dan keegan over the transfer portal uh get ready for some two quarterback sets 
at least I think we could see three or four. He, the kid gets four games. He, he could play four games and still redshirt. Why not have all four of them on the field at once? That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, we could get real tricky. Put him at slot receiver. That's about what he's big enough to be as a 17-year-old. We could be seeing clipboard throws left and right if uh, if the chess pieces are played correctly. It's a very, very interesting, very, very interesting move. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, if you're Walker Howard, man, like, you got to feel a little bit like, wait, what? You were down to Ole Miss and TCU. You decided to go to Ole Miss, despite Jackson Dart, despite Spencer Sanders coming in, um, when you maybe could have been the starter at TCU. At worst, you'd be behind, um, what's his name, Chandler, blanket on his name. Um, uh, Morris. Chandler Morris yeah. at TCU for one year. And then you take over your your hometown team, right? The, uh, the, the Frogs of, of TCU. Now, not only are you probably not the starter this year, now your head coach is reclassifying kids two years early. Like you said, he just keeps bringing in transfer portal quarterbacks. Like, if you're trying to develop and become an NFL quarterback, all of a sudden I'm wondering if if there are reps available for you to get that film. Um, So I think it's a little bit of a two-edged sword. Now, Ole Miss fans are going to tell you this is great. Hey, we're stockpiling talent. Uh, you know, we, we, your team only has one starting quarterback. We have four. Of course, we would counter with, you know, if well, the traditional saying is if you have two quarterbacks, do you have one? If you, <laughs> if you have four quarterbacks, Trey, I, I don't know what you have. Do you think Lane Kiffin is going to handle this well? No. Yeah, that, that's no. a very easy when, when in what in his career up to this point has would lead anyone to believe that this is going to end well for Ole Miss. Like what? <laughs> If you're an Ole Miss fan, congratulations. You have, sure, I guess you have on paper the statistically most talented quarterback room in America. Congratulations. You get to play one of those guys at a time and try to keep the other three happy for however long that they're going to be in Oxford. Because, look, one, this does not go well in the era of the transfer portal. It just doesn't. You have to stockpile talent in the QB room, but you just have to know that maybe two of these guys are going to actually see time in Oxford from the rest of their career. Like I, I would be shocked if more than two of these guys start a game barring some catastrophic injury situation this year. Yeah. And two, nothing Lane Kiffin has done in his coaching career would, would lead me to believe that I can confidently say he's going to handle this. Well, it's going to be a circus <laughs> and look, Lane Kiffin can bring in talent and maybe he strikes gold in the portal one year. Ole Miss could win a national championship if they get the right transfer portal class. I I fully believe that they could put all the pieces together. They could put up an amazing offensive season. They could win a national championship before Lane Kiffin's done. The far more likely scenario is that this completely crashes and burns and Ole Miss is looking for a new coach. The guy couldn't stay off Twitter and crashed and burned last November. If you were paying attention, we are obviously not a fan of Lane Kiffin on the show. I am venting a little bit i think the dude is just a total loser of a personality (laughs) but any objective fan i think would agree that this is probably not going to go well for him yeah uh interesting move to say the least now the thing that the thing that old miss has got to do is they got to play some defense their offense really hasn't been the issue it's it's been the defense and when you're playing saltier opponents 
uh, on a consistent basis, right? Um, turnovers in defense has been the issue at Ole Miss. So, and what we've seen thus far in the portal area, there's been some glaring exceptions, but it is way, way easier to fill in offensive gaps from the transfer portal than it is defensive gaps. Yeah. Like it, from what we've seen, I mean, there have been some high-profile guys that have changed teams defensively, and they just don't fit the scheme for whatever reason. You defensively you have to homegrown your talent primarily in the transfer portal i'm fully convinced of that and it remains to be seen if lane will be able to do that in oxford well we'll see uh i'm very curious to see how this all shakes out i'm I'm more curious to see your reaction to the sec scheduling um let us know which teams did you think won which teams do you think are kind of getting the short end of the stick. Maybe you're a Sooners fan and you're like that guy in message board geniuses that it's like, hey, can we, is there a receipt for our can SEC we play the purchase? Uno reverse card? Can, can we, we <laughs> can we cancel our subscription to SEC plus? Um, the answer is no, you're stuck and welcome to the party, pal. So there is no anyway, exit let- fee in the SEC. Famously, there's no exit fee. So the door is theoretically open whenever, whenever Oklahoma wants. Can you imagine the public <laughs> backlash? You talked all this crap for decades about how, oh, we could play in the SEC, and then the moment that SEC logo goes on your chest and you have to line up against that schedule, it's like, ah, maybe we're not. Good. Oh. We're good. We're, we're going to go back to playing Kansas State and Iowa State and Baylor. <laughs> hey, you respect the Big 12 champion Kansas State Wildcats. You're right. I shouldn't have thrown them in there. My apologies, Kansas State. We love <laughs> how dare you. you. We love the Wildcats on this show. That's right. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. We've got spoilers coming up, which teams are going to play spoiler and, and ruin your team's playoff chances. We've got our darlings. We've got season predictions, analysis. The preview series is coming up as well. We're really excited for that. So, uh, and, and like I mentioned, I've got a bunch of big-time guests who are you know, just waiting off stage, basically. I'm, I'm lining up the calendar. So um, expect a lot of those in the midweek episodes, which, as I talked about off the top, we're going back to two episodes. Uh, Monday mornings and Thursday mornings, you can get your 3Tech Pod episodes, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your audio. Of course, we're over on YouTube as well. And we really do appreciate all the support, the likes, the comments, uh, and the ratings as well. It helps us continue to grow, helps us continue to uh, unlock bigger partnerships and uh, really just improve our reach, improve the product that we give to you guys each and every week. For Trey Reeves, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Father's Day as well. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 